and welcome to this week's Oxcast, your weekly roundup for the best events happening in and around Oxford. This week I've got the weekend roundup, Michael has a selection of his favourite concerts, but first here's Mike with a gig. How much do you guys know about the New Orleans brass bands? Little. Mm, a bit from GCSE music. <laughs> <laughs> So the New Orleans bands are really traditional parade ensemble. After the American Civil War, lots of military brass instruments were left around and they were really, really cheap. So lots of poor people in New Orleans uh, decided to take them up and form little bands. And that's where jazz came from. But one of the most popular forms were these little brass bands that have a sousaphone and a couple of trumpets, trombone, maybe saxophone, that kind of thing. And they've been around forever and ever and ever and they're a really proper New Orleans thing. But they kind of have been gaining more and more popularity in the last few years. So people like the Youngblood Brass Band, the Hypnotic Brass and Hackney Colliery Band are starting to become a lot more famous over here. And are doing really cool stuff because they're really good musicians and really cool groups. Because brass is just really loud, so why not play everything on it? <laughs> so the Hot 8 Brass Band, who are another really famous one, are coming to Oxford on Thursday. Which is really exciting because... They're one of those bands that still play a gig every single Sunday in New Orleans. Oh, amazing. So they're taking some time off that schedule to do a European tour. Although I was looking at the schedule, every time they go back to New Orleans, they've got another gig on the Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) Just can't take the time off. Um, They're one of the slightly older ones, so if you're really into it, you know Rebirth Brass Band and Dirty Dozen, who kind of more traditional laid-back jazz stuff, but Hot 8 brought more of the funk stuff in. And their cover of uh, Sexual Healing is really famous, and everyone knows it. If you've seen the film Chef, it's on the soundtrack to that. Ah. Um, So, yeah, they're coming to the O2 on Thursday, and it's going to be wicked. Not least because there are some fantastic bands supporting them. <laughs> Unbiased opinions here, of course. Uh, so there's a great singer, soul singer called Harley Blue, but there's also Oxford's very own Temple Funk Collective, who recently were on the main stage at Common People and going from strength to strength. In case you haven't guessed, Mike is a member of the <laughs> Temple Funk Collective. A very proud member. <laughs> So yes, that's the gig on Thursday at the O2, and don't know how much it is, but it's definitely a bargain. (laughs) (laughs) On to the weekend now, I've chosen two events. First up is the World Poo Sticks Championship. (laughs) That's right, the World Poo Sticks Championship, uh, which has been moved from its original place to Whitney. So... I'm sure everyone knows how to play poo sticks. It's a very simple game. Well, what are the bare necessities of the game? Well, the bare necessities of the game is you go to a bridge, you drop your stick at the same time as your friend drops their stick and you see which stick gets there first. It doesn't sound like much, but it can get very competitive. So you're basically <laughs> cheering your stick on. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's all about choosing the right part of the river with the strongest current. Oh, really? Yeah, a lot of bridges have small weirs underneath them, though. You mm. have to watch out in case... In case it gets trapped. In case it gets trapped. Wow. Yeah. It's, nev- a very, it's a risky game. <laughs> never done this tactically before. Thank you for I'm learning a lot. <laughs> so at Poo Sticks Championships, do you bring your own championship stick? No, I, I think the sticks are provided so it's fair for everyone because you don't want to take a stick that's maybe, I don't know, more buoyant than others or... Not sure. Right. What makes a good equipped poo stick? Equipped with a motor or something. <laughs> <laughs> Hydrodynamically whittled. <laughs> well, exactly. But yeah, this should be a really fun event. It's on on Sunday and the team games start at midday and individual games start at 1pm. So it's probably going to finish about 4.30pm and there's lots of music, face painting and splat the rat. So yeah, it should be a lot of fun and it's £2.50 for individuals, £10 to enter a team and all the money goes to local charities. 
My next event is the Oxford Pride Parade, which is on Saturday. So the plan is to meet at 11.30am for a midday start. So you be at Radcliffe Square and then you make your way down Broad Street, Corn Market and Queen Street and it ends at Oxford Castle. Now there is a prize for the best dressed individual, couple and group. Um. So yeah, better get your costume together. And there will be a market at the castle. I think Bitten Street are going along as well. And two stages, one on George Street and the other one's on Paradise Street with loads of acts. And it's going to go on until late where... I think the plan is to head to Plush from 10pm until late. So yeah, that's the Oxford Pride Parade on Saturday at 11.30am. Okay, so there's a talk on Monday at the Western Library, um, which is forming part of the exhibition that's been going on for a couple of weeks now, uh, called Mexico's Painted Histories. So one of the cool things that about Watson's show there, um, if you think of how uh, a culture like records its history, think of like annals and describes writing things down. The Bayer Tapestry. Forever Bayer Tapestry. Yes, perhaps slightly tapestry-like in ancient Mesoamerican cultures. This was done primarily through graphic means, so you'd have painters painting some things that happen, like much like the, the, the Bayer Tapestry, so you've got battles, marriages, trade agreements, and some that we can only imagine the meaning of um, or that haven't been fully decided yet as mm. there's lots there's quite a lot encoded into into these images so so yeah it has surprising echoes of like graphic novels um, even even emoji and how to like <laughs> try and try and cram lots of meaning into just one tiny image it looks great it, the the collection on show is really small though and this is not a diss to the exhibitors in any way it's just Terribly sad that this that this collection of um, of five um, five items is is, is the biggest uh, collection that's left. It's been in Oxford for a few centuries now, um, but so much of um, Aztec culture and ancient Mexican um, cultures being invaded, their like, histories were just destroyed. As the exhibition notes say, kind of euphemistically, to the European conquerors, uh, these records seemed like a bit of a threat. Like I don't, I don't entirely see that. So an ideal opportunity uh, to experience the exhibition is hearing from and asking questions to an expert. So the talk, uh, which is on Monday at 1 p.m., is given by Virginia Ayado Buzan, is the Bodleian's head of conservation and collection care. She knows lots about. Um, art history in this area and you can see some of the materials uh, they're used now similar to the materials used to make what's on show find out more about the Tlaquilo who were the artists who made these so yeah the talk um, the making of ancient Mexican codices by the Tlaquilo is at the Western Library on Monday at 1pm and it's free and now onto the family friendly corner of the show which is very nice has fairy lights and cushions I hope you kids like bugs because there are tons of insect related events going on uh, towards the end of this week and at the weekend there are two talks at the Story Museum by authors the first is by Sam Gayton who has written the book Hercules <laughs> the book's about a hero flea who I won't ruin the end but maybe saves the people of Avalon from the giant <laughs> yuck <laughs> no spoilers <laughs> Uh, and he'll be giving a talk about the inspirations for the book and the writing process and maybe reading a bit out. That'll be a nice thing. And that's at the Story Museum on Thursday at 2. 
And on Friday at two, also at the Story Museum, uh, M.G. Leonard, who wrote Beetle Boy, The Battle of the Beatles, will be giving a similar talk, but about his book. Uh, so Beetle Boy is about a beetle called Baxter who befriends a boy called Darkus and then helps him solve a mystery and also get his own back on his neighbours or something, I think. <laughs> vengeance, then. Vengeance, yes. It's a vengeance story. <laughs> um, and that one's at Friday at two. And they're both £7, £5 concessions. And the Story Museum puts on lots of nice tours. And it's a lovely place to visit. I mean, now it's half term. Go with the kids anyway. It's great. As part of their animals um, exhibition, there is a room where you can meet a cockroach. Oh. So you should definitely There are quite a few rooms in Oxford where you can meet a cockroach. (laughs) You just have to pay quite a little rent. (laughs) Can can other cockroaches talk, though? Or, like, Admittedly... I've never, no. Never had a conversation with a cockroach. I was in high school with flying ants once. but I hear they're, I hear they're very charming. <laughs> and if those talks cause you to build up a bit of an appetite, on Saturday, the Pegasus Theatre is hosting a bug banquet. So it's being run by Science Oxford, and they're just going to have loads of bugs for you to go and eat. Uh, you can taste them and eat them and find out how to eat them. And the Science Oxford is putting this on because it's been discussed a few times as a solution to the impending food crisis because they're super high protein bugs and uh, a third of the population already eats them as part of a normal diet. So mm-hmm. why aren't we is the big question. Probably because they're too charming. <laughs> <laughs> too chatty. Too chatty. So my word of the day this week is entomophagy, which is practice of eating insects oh. oh like entomology is a knowing about okay yeah um and i found a few recipes oh um three recipes they, they kind of just sound like normal recipes with terrifying things in them like <laughs> chocolate cherry brownies with crickets <laughs> or Ooh. flapjacks made from mealworms oh dear oh. lord or grasshopper stir fry okay that I can... Uh, yeah i can get on board with that i think it's the sweet with the insect that's slightly putting me off. Okay. Apparently, and the the taste of the mealworms really works with the oats in the flapjacks. Oh, okay. So. Would you grind them up? Um. No. No, they're just in there. Mix wow. in the mix. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I guess part of the part of it is we just all have to get over that initial bit of squimishness <laughs> and be like, oh well, see how it tastes. Bless. And I was also looking up how other cultures eat insects, and they're very big in Southeast Asia, and they're enormous cricket farms and stuff and people wander around with enormous sacks of bugs but every year in Lake Victoria there's kind of about a week when all the midges uh, turn from larvae into the real flies and there's trillions of them flying about <laughs> and they go around catching them with kind of spiders webs on stick like, type things like in Shrek like in Shrek ah. <laughs> and then they kind of scrape them off and make them into burgers how many midges do you think are in a midge burger on average oh, there must be loads 500 3,000. 500,000! <laughs> wow. Okay, well, there you go. That's half a million in one... But they have th- five times the protein of a beef burger, so... Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Amazing. They're basically superfood, but they're also bugs. So those are all fun <laughs> things you can do this weekend with your children. And you can always pop down to the Natural History Museum to see the uh, giant photographs of the insects there at the moment. Oh, yeah. So have you guys heard of Krav Maga? I have a little bit, yeah. I actually, the first time I saw it was on Jessica Jones. Oh <laughs> it my does gosh. pop up, doesn't it? It does, yes. And her friends learns how to destroy people. <laughs> is it the uh, martial art that the Israeli military use? Uh, yes, it is. Um, anyone can learn it. 
and it's a great way to work on your Tekken techniques in real life. I asked Kenny, who runs Krav Maga Oxford, about how Krav Maga differs from other martial arts. Krav Maga changes over a period of time, plus if people's got a disability, it means that if, if I was doing one technique for argument's sake and I couldn't do it because I got disability, it would say that the technique could slightly change so it so I can continue to do this the technique in a safe manner. But with some martial arts, I'm I'm not slating no martial arts, with right. some martial arts, they're traditional and they've and they stick by the book. If you've got a disability or if you can't do something, in some you may not progress up the grading scales. But with Krav Maga, you don't have to grade if you don't want to. So, and that's where it differs. Plus, Krav Maga was formed around boxing, judo, jiu-jitsu, gymnastics, wrestling, and so forth. And it was all put together for a self-defense fighting system, mm. as in not a martial art where it's traditionally from thousands of years ago. Listen to the full interview to hear what got Kenny into Krav Maga in the first place, where you can attend the sessions, and how he thinks it's useful in day-to-day life. You can attend Kenny's classes on Mondays and Wednesdays at the Community Centre in Botley, Mm -hmm. and also on Friday lunchtimes. Um, It's £10 for your first session, but booking is essential. Okay, now for a concert roundup. Such a wild variety of things this week that no one could fail to be entertained or culturally enriched. Um, Okay, first on Saturday um, at 12 noon, it's free, it's at the Ashmolean, Uh, some Sudanese music happening. So local Sudanese band Nile are going to be playing um, traditional instruments from the region. So they're going to be inspired apparently uh, by the objects in the Dynastic Egypt Nubia Gallery where they're playing, Um, Nubia being present-day Sudan. Hopefully instruments will involve the waza, which is a long wind instrument made from cow horns. <laughs> all the instruments from Sudan are fun to say um, and should be fun to hear. Um, next then on Sunday um, at the Cornerstone Arts Centre, uh, a concert entitled Celebrating Stefan Grappelli. This is with Dutch violinist Tim Cliphouse and his trio. Um, so Grappelli, who's kind of the, the grandfather of jazz violin. He made it a thing in the first place. Uh, it's a remarkable story, actually, from um, being the son of a Marcus, um, moved from there to being in an orphanage to a conservatoire, to having to busk for a living, which is where he wow. <laughs> kind mm. of invented, co-invented uh, gypsy jazz with Django Reinhardt um, in the Hot Club de France, <laughs> if you pronounce it like that. Um, so in this tour... Um, uh, Tim Cliphouse's Django is um, Nigel Clark on guitar and there's an upright bass player as well. So they're just throwing all styles and genres into a blender and it sounds <laughs> really fun. It's on Sunday at 8pm and tickets are £15 and 13.50 concessions. And on Wednesday, I can't believe this, a living legend is coming to the new theatre. So Adamant is back and performing the album Kings of the Wild Frontier live for the very first time. Mm. So, so much of this has never been performed live before. It's um, from 1980. Think yeah. of the um, ant music or the like, dog eat dog. Yep, and it's got the song Dog Eat Dog, which is a bit of a, a kind of alone in 80s pop in that it's very introduced Burundian drumming to pop, <laughs> pop music. <laughs> Amazing. Um, and the title track Kings of the Wild Frontier. Mm. Um, so yeah, other stuff from Adam's back catalogue, 
but it's good to see him back. Um, I have a history of fancy dress parties. I once dressed as Adamant, um, which led to a very embarrassing um, moment in the fancy dress shop where I was trying to keep it all secret, and then the store attendant was like, the highwayman thing, and he's like, Hey, can you get the Adamant costume for the people? (laughs) (laughs) In front of all these people. Um, but as Adamant said himself, ridicule is nothing to be scared of. Um, and so he's playing the new theatre on Wednesday at 7.30 and tickets are £32. Amazing. So Benton Bikes, they yes. are well known in Oxford for, as a bike hire company and bike shop too. Um, and they're launching a brand new 24-7 bike hire scheme, which is cool really. Uh, there are a couple of things that are sort of like that in Oxford at the moment, but they aren't going to be on the same scale as this. It's not going to work quite the same way as Boris Bikes or the same system in Paris. It's uh, modelled on a company in Copenhagen. And so you get an app <laughs> and then you go to one of the sites where the bikes are. So they'll be, uh, to start with, they'll be at the station, um, the Pitt Rivers, at the Randolph, uh, the Eastgate in Botley. And slowly, very slowly, they will expand to all around the city. <laughs> and you get your app, you book your bike and then you go somewhere near it and press unlock and it will just the, the lock will magically pop off by the power of technology <laughs> i.e. magic <laughs> <laughs> and you can be able to ride it around so it's not like the Boris bike system in that you have to return it to the same site you picked it up from Okay. Um, but other than that, you can pick it up at any time of day, hire it any time of day, and they'll also been assured that they'll be maintained better than the Boris bikes as well. <laughs> and they're all going to have bright red saddles, so it should be very, very easy to see. And that's launching on Friday, so look out for them. And if you need a bike, that's where to go. Uh, on to theatre now. I've chosen The Complete Deaths, which is being performed at the Oxford Playhouse on Monday to Wednesday at 7.30pm. This is a piece from Spy Monkey, who are a physical theatre company who specialise in clowning and promise to provide a solemn, sombre and sublimely funny tribute to William Shakespeare's deaths. So, there are 75 on-stage deaths in all of Shakespeare's plays. And I want you guys to choose your favourite. Oh, wow. Luckily, I have a specially prepared pie chart for this. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Um, All the statistics at your hand. So it may interest you to know that around half of all Shakespeare deaths are stabbings. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, uh, after that, beheaded is the next biggest category. Makes sense. Uh, yeah. Mm. Um, and then it's kind of even between poisoned and stabbed and poisoned. Oh, both. Oh, goodness. That's hardly necessary. <laughs> and then it goes into some fantastic ones. Uh, so a general selection... Um, one person is buried up to the neck and they starve. Oh. Um, another person is baked into a pie. Oh, yeah. Two people are baked into pies wow. in Titus Andronicus. Oh, dear. That's mm-hmm. so appropriate for a pie And then chart. they're fed to their mother. Lots of pies. Lots of pies. Great pie chart, um, there. One person dismembered, then burnt. Um, one person just drops dead. At least one person, actually. The snake bite. Oh, yeah. um, indigestion. Quite a major cause. That was the mother. Genuinely, oh. <laughs> she died of indigestion. How many of these are Titus <laughs> Quite a lot. <laughs> Only Gaviscon had been discovered earlier. <laughs> I think my favourite might be the one where they're pursued by a bear. <laughs> just pursued. That's from. Just pursued. I think the fear probably killed them. Or the, just the endurance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, do you have a favourite? Uh, the one where Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, yeah. Or Romeo and Juliet. Mm. Yeah. just can't get more tragic than that. No. I mean... 
Oh, Leo. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's Leo and Claire Danes. So it's too, it's too emotional, this question. It's quite emotional when you start thinking about it. Um, my favourite death is the fly that was killed by Marcus Andronicus in Titus Andronicus. <laughs> Such an insect. He, he, there's a fly buzzing about and he squishes it and then Titus is like, why are you killing an innocent fly? And it's ridiculous because Titus just killed like everyone. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, so it's quite but, refined. But that death is actually going to be included in the play. That's cool. <laughs> Who's playing the fly? Not sure. Very insect-friendly show today. <laughs> Very. Yeah, so that's the complete deaths at the Oxford Playhouse, showing on Monday to Wednesday at 7.30. Tickets are £17 or £15 for concessions. It's uh, suitable for ages 14 and up. So, yeah, don't take toddlers. <laughs> OK, but the cinema round up now. First, there are a couple of series that have, have been going on for a while uh, that you can still catch part of. So, Studio Ghibli Forever... Um, we, we mentioned the Studio Ghibli movie the other week. That's still continuing at the Phoenix Picture House. Um, Only Yesterday is showing Saturday at 1pm. The film called Only Yesterday is showing this Saturday at 1pm. Um, also at the UPP, uh, there's Sculpting Time series, which is um, four of the best uh, by Andrei Tarkovsky, um, Russian legend. <laughs> and Uter and Mirror is being shown there on Monday at 6.45 but may as well talk about something new so um, movie of the week this week is The Daughter um, which is opening this Friday at the Phoenix and Odeon George Street um, it's an Australian film from first time director Simon Stone who's actually an experienced theatre director um, and this it's loosely based on an Ibsen play it finds his son returning to a, a logging town that's uh, shutting down um, he's back for the wedding of his father, played by Geoffrey Rush. Um, he's getting married to a much younger woman. Uh, secrets are uncovered as the son reconnects with his girlfriend. Lots happening. Very dramatic. Um, it's kind of interesting in the way it's played. There's no central protagonist as such. So you've got Geoffrey Rush looking haggard. <laughs> Geoffrey Rush looking dependably haggard. Um, and, and Paul Schneider is the son. So... Um, you maybe you have to make a bit of an effort at first not to think of Parks and Recreation <laughs> um, <laughs> in which he possibly has a bit more fun but um, and also adorning posters is Odessa Young as the daughter of the title um, this is early role for her but she's commanding lots of attention especially considering the other big names on the screen yeah it's more expansive and atmospheric than you might fear you think of a theatre to screen transition um, but yeah it looks fantastic it's opening this Friday don't forget that the deadline to register to vote for the referendum is the 7th of June so make sure you get yourself listed make sure to follow us we're on Facebook Instagram and Twitter at Daily Info Oxford and for more event highlights and tenuous puns uh, why not subscribe to the podcast from your preferred podcast provider Freshly delivered, as it were, to your device every week.